This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. We're sponsored by Neomodern.com, bringing concierge photo printing and framing to everyone with a smartphone. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neomodern, and grumpy old man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Suzanne. Hey, Rubin. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. How was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was lovely. Um, got a little bit of an early start and then an early end with the storms that kind of came through Tahoe and Reno, but it was lovely and beautiful and everybody's dreaming of a white Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. I did not leave the city. Uh, You didn't? No, no. I went to a friend's uh, and I took pictures. It was like a scene out of Bon Appetit magazine. It was just stunning food. Um, The food did look amazing. The pictures were- Oh, you saw some of that? Yeah. Oh yeah, I was like salivating just looking at the it, looking at all the options. Um, so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, this sort of weird show. Um, okay. See. I mean, so you know, our collection is um, reasonably large, but I would say it's not all that diverse. You know, it's kind of heavy uh-huh. in like modernists and dead people. You know, uh, and you know, every think are dead. Sorry. Or people you think are dead. Or people I think are dead. And that's true. Every now and then I've discovered a couple of contemporary photographers. We had Jason Langer on and Mark Citrit. Right. Uh, but they're the exception. And um, But there was always one photographer who was literally, I think just one, who was unlike the rest. And I, I so it always stuck out for me because it wasn't quite street photography. It wasn't a classical modernist. And in fact, it was mm-hmm. frequently very bright colors and in studio like studio Mm -hmm. shots. So it wasn't like the usual collection. And I would ask my dad about it. And he said it was this guy, Howard Schatz. And um, I came to learn that Schatz was uh, like not only a friend of my dad's, but he was a a physician. He was an ophthalmologist. Wow. And somehow... He always gets the shots. Ah. Just kidding. Uh, uh, I'm here all night. God, it's like a dad joke. (laughs) No. Don't get me started. I, I will. Anyway, um, after my, you remember a couple of weeks ago, I went to my eye doctor. It's when I went by the construction site and took those yeah. pictures. But the doctor mentioned this guy and uh, said that he would introduce me to him because I said that I had a bunch of his pictures. And in a moment of nostalgia, I emailed him. He lives on the East Coast. Uh-huh. And it turns out he was going to be in San Francisco a couple of days later. Oh, wow. So I invited him down to Neo Modern to say hi, to meet him in person. And that's so I turned on the recording and... And this is well, fantastic. I honestly, I'm fascinated looking at his images. They're like simultaneously very technical and beautiful and artistic. And then some are. There's a lot of dance in there, so I'm immediately drawn to that. There's like this one of like this pregnant woman in this mesh. Yeah. She's like pulling against it that I can't stop looking at. So, it's so I cool. can't wait to hear. I can't wait to hear what he says. Yeah, he's he. Uh, maybe unlike a lot of photographers, he's incredibly thematic you know he comes up with these really interesting uh not contrivances but like thematic ideas and i'd seen pictures he did that were all redheads um and at some other point in time he did uh something that was like dancers all entwined but they were in different colors so each body was like one was red and one was green and uh, like just 
Interesting stuff. Anyway, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to introduce you. You were off Thanksgiving-ing. I, I was Thanksgiving-ing-ing. <laughs> but um, I thought we'd play the show and then uh, we could maybe talk about it when it's over. That sounds great. I can't wait to hear more. Perfect. So, uh, well, then let me introduce you to Howard Schatz. So you're an ophthalmologist. Yeah. And that's how you know my father? Yeah, I'll tell you how I know your okay, father. Okay, please. Uh, in ophthalmology, in medical school, you have to take basic science course, physiology, anatomy, uh, pharmacology, microbiology, that sort of thing. But the eye has its own, it's its own organism in a way. So you have to take a basic science course in ocular physiology, anatomy, histology, pathology, microbiology. Uh-huh. Neuro ophthalmology, like that. And I took a basic science course. There are two given in this country. One at Stanford uh-huh. in the summer, 10 weeks, and one in Maine, given by the Harvard group at the Waterville at Maine, Colby, Colby College. Uh-huh. Um, and I took the Colby College. Uh, the, the Waterville course up at Colby College, and one of the instructors was a Mel Rubin who talked about optics. <laughs> and during his talk, he would illustrate his talk on optics with fine art photography. He couldn't help himself, <laughs> but what he showed was applicable to the concepts that he was educating us about really and i was fascinated because i had always been interested in photography even then and i went up to speak to him what is this photography about where do these images come from and he told me that he was a collector and i said i'd like to stay in touch i really wanted to say i want to be your friend <laughs> where did you live at the time um I was I was going to University of Illinois, so I was okay. in Chicago. Okay. So we went to Maine for the summer. I lived in South China Lake, Maine, for the ten weeks of the summer. So anyway, we met, got to know each other, and from then on, I sort of stayed in touch with your father. Um, and when I became very interested in photography, uh, and I began to make pictures in a serious fashion. Um, I had told him about it, and he said, let me see, and we exchanged, and he, in fact, purchased a number of pictures from my initial projects, one being redheads, and we became friends. And then I was in the military at uh, MacDill Air Force Base in Tampa, Florida, and we went up to Gainesville to visit him Mm -hmm. a few times because it was an easy thing from Tampa. And we, we were friends ever since. And when he would he would come up to New York for various things, we would have a share a meal. We would have lunch or breakfast or something. He would make a point to see me and I asked him to make sure to do that. Wow. So you've been so you haven't practiced medicine in a while? Have no, you stopped? In, in nineteen eighty seven when I have two daughters, when my second daughter <clears throat> graduated high school and was off to college. I didn't have to be a daddy and around paying attention. Mm-hmm. I, everybody, all the guys were playing golf. I was working seven days a week, writing papers, giving talks, seeing patients. I decided I could spend a day a week with this other love of mine. Uh-huh. And on Saturdays, I devoted Saturdays fully, completely to photography. I went to galleries. I bought, book, I bought any book that had one idea something that inspired me and i have a collection of three thousand books as a result and i began to take pictures we converted our cow hollow um house 
which is on Scott and Green. You have a place in San Francisco? I used to live, I oh. moved uh, after my fellowship at Hopkins. We moved to San Francisco, and I was a retina specialist in San Francisco. I was a clinical professor of ophthalmology at UCSF, uh-huh. and I taught here. All the ophthalmologists referred to me patients. So we had a house in Cow Hollow with a giant living uh, dining room, and I converted the dining room into a studio. And I began to make pictures. I started with the Gifted Woman Project because my wife was head of news at KQED, the head. Uh-huh. And she had done many new women's programs, so she had access to all these great women. Uh-huh. Condoleezza Rice was a PhD at Stanford. Barbara Boxer was a representative. I shot Nancy Pelosi. Wow. You know, all those people. Uh-huh. So that was my first book. And I did these projects, and that's sort of how it happened. And then between 87 and 95... There were four or five books published, and we got a lot of attention. There were 20 museum shows on my homeless project, and we started getting calls from magazines in New York. Can Howard shoot this? Can Howard shoot a Time Magazine call? Can Howard come and shoot this cover for us? And then we started getting calls for advertising work. And of course, I couldn't do it. I was a practicing physician <laughs> working on Saturdays. So Beverly said, Beverly didn't want to be married to a Jewish doctor. Who was successful at the height of his career? Of course, she that would be, be lousy. Married. She would. <laughs> she wanted to be married to an artist, oh. and she said, "Let's go to New York, take a sabbatical for a year, see what you can do full time. We'll go play hardball with the big boys." Exactly what she said. So I, I made a deal where I could take a year off but walk right back in. Okay. And um, that first year, we moved to New York in 95, October 95, into a 5,000-square-foot Soho studio. And the year we, was so exciting and so anxiety-provoking and so challenging and so difficult and so interesting, so fun. We'd go to bed giggling, anxiety-filled giggling every night, <laughs> and we re-upped the sabbatical. And I kept re-upping the sabbatical. And so after five, six years, I never looked back. So I have wow. not practiced medicine since we left October 95. Wow. So I, I'm familiar with your work because we, we have, I grew up with a bunch of these photographs. But what, do you, what interests you today? Like, what are you still photograph? What do you photograph? I, you I'm project based. I'm project based. I, I find something that really interests me that I want to explore. Mm-hmm. And we have 20 some books published. I mean, I've seen like redheads. There's uh, obviously various sorts of pregnancy. Images. With child, with child, is that what yeah, it is? Yeah. There's, There's a book called Athletes. Dancers. Yeah. And... Passion and Line Dance, San Francisco Ballet. I did a book on homeless. I every homeless Saturday are, right. I walked the streets of San Francisco. I shot about 20 homeless people. Did interviews and photos for 50 weeks. That's a thousand pictures, right? Thousand mm-hmm. subjects. So mm-hmm. there, there, there was the work, and it was published. Um, and I did a book uh, called In Character, Actors Acting, and then Caught in the Act. We did a book called Rare Creatures with Rare Models. We did a book on boxing. I studied American boxing. So anyway, I'm... So it's always about, like, you come up with some a, a theme that you're curious about or it seems visually interesting. It's a and curiosity. Then you, and then you dig into it it's for a curiosity. while. It's a curiosity. What is this about? What can I find out about? This is really interesting. This excites me. And I'm working on four projects. Right now? Right now I'm working on four projects and when you work on projects you do a little bit of each one at a time one of the projects is almost 30 years old is this what you're and in san francisco for here. yeah and what can you tell me I'll what tell it is you what yeah. it is in 1990 while we're still here i began to make pictures of women in their pregnancy at the late 
part 20, 38, 39, 40 weeks of pregnancy. Oh, pretty late, yeah. Yeah, and a nude and without clothes. And I said to the women, when your baby's born, come back with the baby, whether it's two days, two weeks, two months, whenever you're comfortable. And they uh-huh. did. And I made pictures of newborns, and there was a newborn book. And then I said, how about bring your child back every year the month of their birthday? And I'll photograph them every year. And they did. And then when the kids were seven, I gave them a questionnaire because they could begin to read and write. The questionnaire was simple that first year was, what do you like about your life and why? What do you want to change about your life and why? What do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, slip the sheet of, that you wrote into this envelope and seal it. It's going into a time capsule. Your mom and dad are not going to read it. I'm not going to read it. Your teacher, no one's going to read it. And you want to write what's really honest because when you're 25, you want to know who you were when you were seven, eight, nine, ten. And then the pictures became, the questions became more and more interesting as they got older and more sophisticated. Right. What about your parents would you like to be like? Wow. What characteristics about your parents would you not like to be like? All kinds of things like that. And uh, the kids are now in their mid-20s. Uh-huh. I started in early 90s. And tomorrow, we're photographing 20 kids, all between 20 and 30, uh-huh. at, at a studio here as the, as the last picture. Wow. And I've been opening the diaries mm-hmm. now that they're adults. I said we wouldn't open them to adults. So that's really fascinating work. You, you know sit the work with them? Of, well, no, I let them sit and write privately and put it in. So they do it. You know the work of Jim Goldberg? He did a book called Rich and Poor. So he photographed people who are wealthy and poor and then showed them the pictures and had them write something. And the picture with the writing in their own writing about what their pictures said, it's very poignant, very powerful stuff. Take a look at it. And so I envision this work like this. You'll see a 15-year-old kid who says something about their life in their own writing. It's quite fascinating sounds so great that's what i'm doing that sounds great um what else? and what i mean so you're a, you do studio photography you are a master of lighting and M- whatever mostly, all yeah, that yeah do you ever just walk around and shoot i have pictures? a camera like, all the time you do taking pictures all the time you do have a camera yeah, with all you. the time because uh, everything interests me visually uh-huh. but the other three projects are the shape of the nfl what the does that shape mean? of the nfl football is a sport where the different body type is very significant in terms of what position. Offensive linemen are 300, 350 pound walls that protect the quarterback or make holes for their linebacker. The, the um, defensive backs are like little linebackers who can run backwards as fast as they can run forward. The receivers are like tall basketball players, etc. Uh-huh. So I've been photographing NFL players. Uh, I love it. <laughs> to sh- the shape of the NFL. Then uh-huh. I've been doing a dance project where. There's so many great dance pictures. Yeah. Uh, it's and now it's easy. Yeah. You know, you shoot a ton. They can shoot a thousand frames a second, and they'll get that just yeah. that moment. Yeah. So I now have found a technique where I leave the camera open. Mm-hmm. So it's about movement. So I sometimes use stroboscopic. I sometimes use uh-huh. front and rear sync. Uh-huh. I sometimes use ambient light to show the motion. So I've been working on what I call modern, modern dance. That uh, and I pa- have you pause there. So Xavier, who works here. Uh, just graduated from AAU, Academy of Art University. And when I mentioned that you were coming by, he was like, I know his work. I st- we, we talk about it in class. And it was the strobe work in particular that the students were told to study and that they were going to try their own versions of these things. Good. And it was, 
I, I was Good. like, I kept correct. I'm like, wait, no, no, no. He's an he's an ophthalmologist, and yeah, he's yeah, from yeah. back east. He's like, no, no, no. I know this guy's work. And if you go to the website under dance, you can see the new work. Oh, that's great. And the third, okay. uh, the fourth project is called Above and Beyond: mm -hmm. Video Interviews and Portraiture of Extraordinary Individuals in Our Time. That's, so I've been. That's the line. Just extraordinary individuals. Yeah. So you name it. I had Maya Lynn in the studio. Mm -hmm. I had um, Leslie Stoll in the studio. I had um, uh, John Guar, who did Six Degrees mm -hmm. of Separation. Mm -hmm. I had mm -hmm. Lynn Nottage, who's a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright. I've had Anthony Fauci, head of NIAID, who mm -hmm. he solved the AIDS pro project. I had uh, Eve Ensler, who did mm -hmm. Vagina Monologues. Sure, sure. I'm working on David Brooks's video right now. So you can go to my website under blog. I write a weekly blog okay. called On Seeing, right. which is about photography. I sometimes review books. I sometimes um, just look, look at work I've done, and I sometimes talk about my work. And often the, the videos are in there. There's about two dozen videos now. That's cool. That's really it's cool. really cool. So who inspired you? I mean, f photographically, who are your sort of inspirational? Yeah. I am inspired by all sorts of people. Um, I have a library of 3,000 books, and I sort of know those books. I mean, mm -hmm. you forget. And, of course, I don't remember every single picture, but um, I, I'm inspired by just about everybody. I mean, I've always liked Helmut Newton's work, and I always, I've always liked Steve Meisel, Fashion's work. I like um, Ellen Von Underworth's work. I like Irving Penn's work. Mm -hmm. I like... Um, yeah, let me make it easier. What's on your walls? Like, what do you do? You, do you have that's not your that's own? That's my work. problem. That's What's my up? problem. I do, I collect photography by making trades. Okay. I see somebody's work, I write them, would you like to make a trade? Okay. And I'd say all of the hundred times I've done that, only one or two say, I don't want to make a trade or no thank you or I don't use anybody else's pictures, something like that. Really? That, I'm yeah, surprised to hear that. Everybody's different. Uh, most most of the response is, you trade, love it. Sure, <laughs> what do you want? So, but I put all those pictures in the file. I have just my pictures up, partly because the little work, the studio, the portrait work I do in our apartment. Mm -hmm. I used to have a 5,000 square foot studio. We've pared it down. We live in the Flatiron District. Mm -hmm. And we have a um, living room, dining room area where I move a dining room table and I have a 30 foot by 30 foot shooting space. Okay. My studio is in a closet on wheels. We roll it out. I tell my assistants, I don't want the walls or any sign that we do photography here, we do photography and then we put it away and nobody, and you can't tell that photography's well, done here. that's pretty good, yeah. So anyway, so that's, that's what we've been doing. And, so, okay, which of your pictures are up? Yeah, <laughs> well, I've been working on a project that you would find is very interesting, uh, called Installations. Okay. Every artist, you included, would love his work or her work on the walls of the Museum of Modern Art or the Whitney or the Met or the Louvre or whatever. Yes. So I've been photographing those walls with pictures on the wall 
and replacing them with my picture. <laughs> so you can see your work at the Louvre, you can see your work at the Met. Absolutely. Uh -huh. Or the Museum of Modern or, or Chicago's Art Institute. Sure. Like that. So on my website, if you go to installations. That's what that is. There's a hundred, I've done 100 and 150. And I found what's really important is not what the work is on the wall, but who's standing there, the people well, yeah, who are a, looking at the picture. Yeah, that's yeah. what's important. Uh -huh. And I've learned I can collect people now. When I go into a gallery or a museum, I make sure I collect unusual looking people, big people, little people, thin people, couples like that. Mm -hmm. And then I use those people in front of walls I've shot. And then I put the appropriate photo up. Like, Sounds cool. Yeah. Sounds great. Like I have a picture of a woman breastfeeding her twins. What? Like oh, yeah. this? Like this, uh -huh. yes. And it's put up on a wall like it's a 30 foot by 40 foot picture. Giant wall in the Chicago Art Institute. And I have four women looking at it. Because uh -huh. women understand that. So, yeah, so. yeah. That sounds great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's good. Yeah. Um, so you're in town, you're shooting this weekend. You're around Monday a little bit? I, I, yeah, some. I think my, I mean, my sister will be here on monday if i can I'm come by she, i will she'd love to see I, I know you probably have a very have busy you schedule. heard of mervyn's yeah it's, you know, what's mervyn's the store isn't it yeah so you're not a san franciscan no yeah. i mean well my dad was mervyn's was a famous department store many stores running from vancouver started in san francisco mm -hmm. from vancouver to san diego from salt lake city to phoenix the whole west coast had hundreds of mervyn's okay mm-hmm during World War II, a fellow by the name of Merv Morris, who was born uh, in the East Bay, was in the military, he was drafted, and he became a supply officer. And when he got out of the military, he went into the Shmata business. He okay. went into this, he made a store called Mervyn's, but he's very bright, uh -huh. honest, good man, integrity, honorable, respectful, and very bright and ambitious, and slowly built this company up. And 30, 40 years ago, he sold all of the Mervins to Dayton Hudson for half a billion dollars. Okay. He came to me as a patient about 35 years ago. He had a little retinal hole. An ophthalmologist said, I, I should do laser on this. Okay. He said, I want a second opinion. I was a retina specialist. Okay. He came to me. I said, well, just a hole. If it's a retinal like a tear? tear being pulled... There's big risk. You got to yeah, treat it. Yeah. But a hole has no traction. The chance it'll cause a problem is less than one percent. It was peripheral. It way peripheral. Uh -huh. But and the chance that our laser or our cryo treatment is going to cause a problem is a little less than one percent. About the same. Huh. I said, why don't we watch it? He said, great. And so every year I saw him, and we become friends. He's 99 years of age, and Monday I'm going to go visit him. Oh yeah. Every time we come back, I make sure I have lunch with him. And it's, he's a That's wonderful man. Wow. Stout. He's a deep voice. He's <laughs> well. He's sharp. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, I mean, the people who listen to the show are beginners, pretty much. And I'm just trying to get people interested in the hobby of photography, you know, to get excited about that they have these great cameras in their phones now. And it used to be a big deal to take a picture, and you had to, like, it was a big investment of time and interest. But... Now they can do it. Yeah. Uh, I, I encourage, I mean, one of my points here is that it's not photography if you don't print it. You've got to print. It's not enough to just take them, leave them in your camera. Absolutely. So that's what my business is about. But I'm, I'm just trying to inspire people about 
I think it's a renaissance in photography these days. Yeah, well, that's great. So. I, I have a few pieces of advice. One, if you want to take really good pictures that are not banal, mm -hmm. that are not nice, mm -hmm. just nice, you have to have a vast visual data bank. You should be looking at pictures all the time. So mm -hmm. everybody should be on Instagram, Yeah, I think. I think you should be looking at those pictures all the time. You should look at books, go to museums, go to galleries, mm -hmm. look at magazines, tear things up. I also recommend that whenever you have a picture on your computer that you feel has something about it, that you like it or there's an idea or something, take a screenshot. So I screenshot every single picture that has anything for me, and I have 100 categories, you know, from buildings to landscapes to sunsets to nighttime to old people to young people to babies to running to jumping to dance to anything i have categories i must have hundred thousand screenshots wow. that i use when i didn't do a shot and i want to make sure that i really have thought this through i'll look at the category that on my on my grabs file which i call mm -hmm. to just make myself stronger so that's that's one thing the other thing is everybody needs an editor yes and an editor is somebody who loves you enough that they'll tell you the truth your <laughs> friends will not no. your friends will pat you on the back oh nice really good good, right. good, good. <laughs> and i'm married to i'm married to a woman who is a lot smarter than me beverly ornstein many of us to do that lucky know? yeah and uh, who's honest i'll do a shoot i'll make 500 pictures i'll spend a week with an edit i'll get down to four five six ten pictures and i'll say beverly come take a look at look at these things and the worst thing of course is she'll look at the five or ten pictures and she'll say can i see the rest <laughs> and then she looks at the rest yeah. and then what she'll say is well there it's well done Ooh. but yeah who is right yeah. but there's nothing here that gets me and you need somebody like that. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, so, that's I, really I, so I nice. have that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's brutal, but it's, it's really nice. Just, I guess, maybe one last question. But, like, what do you remember about my dad? Well, your dad was loved because he was good. He was a kind. I, I don't know what kind of father he was, but he was, seemed to be kind. He was, sure, he was sharp. He was aware of things. He was free to express his opinion, and uh, he knew a lot about many things. But he was kind and considerate and loving. And um, I had a friend that he, he and I loved your father and talked about him all the time, did everything we could to make sure he visited us when he came up. It was Kurt Gitter. Uh -huh. You know the name Kurt Gitter? Kurt Gitter was an ophthalmologist, retina specialist in New Orleans who was a major collector of Japanese art from the Edo period. Uh -huh. and Those are the hand-colored a little bit? Those the... Well, these are big brushstroke Edo period stuff. Uh -huh. And he's a major collector of outside art, outsider art. Uh -huh. You know, uh, southeastern poor black people using mud and wood and stuff, making this some beautiful art and of Japanese ceramics, all of which he's written books about. So he appreciated your father that he was a collector too, because Kurt is a collector. And we both loved him. Uh, are you, you're a collector too? Are you? Not really. We're Beverly and I are minimalists. Half our drawers, two-thirds of our drawers and closet spaces are empty. Oh, that's like a gift. Yeah. I mean, my mom has spent the last 
many years just trying to pare down because my dad emptying out yeah he just ha- he has thousands of books and records and photos you obviously should be, you should ask david Thier if you can visit him at his his house okay he has uh he's got he and his wife have wonderful taste so it's not just a house filled with tchotchkes it's a house every shelf everything you can put anything on is covered with something. Even the, the coffee table in the living room is filled with pipes. Uh, he, he, this is what Yulesman's like, by the way. Is that right? Jerry Yulesman, his house is completely covered. Every surface, everything. And they're tchotchke-ish, but they're not. Yeah. They're like thematic. Yeah, well, David, you should take a visit. Okay, I'll do that. So I'll tell you about the story about Yulesman. Uh, once we were visiting your father in Gainesville, and Yulesman called and said, Kai, come over with some new work. Okay. He used your father as an editor. Yeah, that happened. And uh, he came over, and your father was honest with him. He said, well, you know, this isn't so special. But like, like Beverly. I, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, so I met Jerry Yulesman at your dad's place, that, at your house. My dad would do that. He'd also test my mom. Like, he would be, he'd put up four Bernice Abbott's. You know the the shot from looking down on the city of you know and and but that shot she took four pictures of different views and and he would like he was testing her he'd be like okay one of these is great and three of them are okay which which is the great one and she would be like I don't think she'd ever say fuck you <laughs> and she would pick it out and he was always surprised happy that she yeah, got sure, it right sure, you know sure. oh my dad is funny like that yeah. Um, yeah, well, thank you. I'm, I really appreciate your coming by. I, I'm honored that, to, to you, both meet you. You and, had to uh, stay here for many hours today on our account, uh, and I fine. apologize it's, and it's really my, appreciate it. Uh, come on, it's my workplace. I, I, it's okay that I stayed here all day. You but know? still. It's good. Well, have a great shoot this weekend, and if I get a chance to see you I'll again, come, I'll great. try to come by Monday. We're going to see Merv Morris, but there's a way I'll come by. And if my sister's in town uh, okay. in time. I'm, but give your mom a hug and kiss. I will. Because well, we've, we've shared, we've had dinner together with them and that's great well you're you're in the collection you know you're part of the reuben collection Good. and uh, i'm Good. honored to i wish you great luck this is a great idea i think it's wonderful cool thank you thank I you photograph a few of your walls so what'd you think of that what'd you think of that i thought it was great i mean i honestly there's very interesting things in all that were discussed i loved hearing about his influences uh the shape of the nfl the redheads like <laughs> that he's talking to these children that were pregnant year over year over year he it's comes, just fascinating yeah he comes up with some really interesting <laughs> i mean i guess if that if you work in the studio you your his job is coming up with these interesting ideas to explore photographically you know right but it's be i mean being an artist on demand is is a whole different skill set than going out and being able to see things and find them i find yeah yeah, I think it might also be uh, inspirational to people. I mean, here's a guy who went to medical school. He had a good career, and it, it wasn't like he was retiring. He just decided he'd always wanted to be a photographer and just did it. I mean, he, he you know, as he said, like his wife kind of put him up to it, but he tried it. And what's kind of great is it took off for him. I mean, that's what yeah. all of us would hope would happen if we quit our day job and just gave art uh, a try that it would work <laughs> right it is the dream it is the dream so well Howie is living the dream I think what sounds so interesting is just I honestly can't wait to see his work on like the shape of the NFL I think that 
I'm not a big football fan myself, but there's a lot of people in my family that are. Uh-huh. And so I have a, a, I guess, a bit of an understanding, much more than I would have, of, you know, what type of player looks like what. And if they're on the offensive line versus the defensive line, like it sounds it sounds like a project that I think it, I think would be fascinating just from like a body perspective mm-hmm. and like human capabilities and scale and I don't know, size, like just the species of human. I think that sounds really (laughs) fascinating. You know, it's Um, also interesting. I think photographers are always sort of, maybe not struggling, but always exploring ideas that they can photograph, you know, coming up with a conceit. Um, I remember I spent years, I still do it, go out between Christmas and New Year's and photograph Christmas trees that have been abandoned in the streets of San Francisco. Right. Uh, Okay, it's not earth shattering and I'm not, it's not my favorite work, but it gives you something to go out. You know, I go out in that period and I shoot these things. It's and, the premise. And it's like what, I don't know what he was saying about like the long-term projects. Did mm-hmm. you hear, did you hear um, what the result was of him finishing out those interviews? No, he was off to go do it. Uh, I met with him on Friday and then he went on Saturday and Sunday and shot. We'll have to get an update on our next on our next episode. We will have to. He's a he's a very nice guy, and uh, it was really easy to to chat with. Well, I'm sorry I wasn't there, but it was fascinating. Uh, I really I really enjoyed um, hearing you guys chat. Should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Uh, our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco. Go to neomodern.com slash podcast to get show notes and see photos and post comments. Please leave reviews, you guys. I need some new reviews and ratings on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe. We get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. If you know someone who might get something from us, send them a link. Thanks to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music. Thanks to HD Buttercup for our lovely lounge furniture and all of you for hanging out with us. We appreciate your attention and hope we've given you some things to think about. Until next time.